You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. In his playing days, he was known as the Igniter. Now, he's here to kickstart your Sunday Twins fix. It's the Paul Molitor Show. You, know, you can hit a mistake a long way. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. There's not a lot of guys who can close on balls like that. It was quite a play. Just a dominant start by him. The Paul Molitor Show is sponsored by Killer Brew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Now, here are the hosts of the Paul Molitor Show, Chris Atterbury and Jack Morris. Well, happy Sunday and welcome to the Paul Molitor Show, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made, uh, how else they're made in Minnesota is with weather like this over the course of a holiday weekend. It has been spectacular. In studio, Jack Morris, Paul Molitor is here as well. Good morning to both of you. Hey, good morning. Morning, morning. Yeah, I couldn't ask for a nicer uh, setting for a couple of uh, home baseball games here against the Tampa Bay Rays, and we get another one today, chance to win a series, Paul, and uh, we have seen, going back through Baltimore, I think pretty much every type of game that you could see. Big come from behind win where you score a lot of runs. Complete game uh, effort where you shut out the opposition. A couple of nip and tuck affairs. A great opposing pitching performance. Seen about all of them over the course of the last week. It's been a uh, quite a variety. Uh, you just never know what each day is going to bring. You know, it, as far as the weather, I think we were due to have some nice, <laughs> nice weather here at Target Field. So uh, it's been nice for our guys to get out there and, and run around in better conditions. Um, but, you know, all the games are fun. I, I think our guys are learning that, you know, the unpredictability of each and every day, that you have to kind of be able to make adjustments on the fly. And, uh, you know, we'll take the good starting performances like Irvin the other day. But the other guys have been hanging in there, too. And I think overall we're, we're competing and, and playing the entire game each and every day. So those are all good signs for our club. Paul, part of the reason that, quote-unquote, you're hanging in there is because of the excellent job that you're getting out of several guys in the bullpen. Uh, I think it's a case, this is my take anyway, it's a case where the starters are giving you enough depth depth that the bullpen isn't overused and uh, they're responding accordingly. Well, we've been pretty fortunate here through uh, however many games it's been, Jack, that, uh, you know, between some of the rainout situations and off days, that we, we have had most guys available most days, and that usually isn't the case you know, almost 50 games into a season. So uh, we're in a tough stretch, uh, a lot of games between now and the All-Star break. So, you know, those those little bit longer starts certainly will be welcomed whenever we can do it just to try to keep protecting those guys the best we can. As a manager, it's got to be somewhat relieving knowing you've got a guy like Urban Santana that almost every start gives you seven-plus innings, and uh, there's some comfort in that. Uh, you look back at the this series uh, with Hector Santiago – relatively short start again pitch count being the issue then Alberto Mejia same mm-hmm. scenario and Kyle Gibson on the mound today who has yet to get through the sixth inning um, does that put you in a little bit of a bind knowing that the bullpen is going to get a lot of work well I think we're we're really aware of the fact that you know some of these guys are their tendencies are to be a little bit shorter whether it's pitch count or results or whatever it might be but you're always optimistic each and every day that it's going to be the day where, you know, one of these guys starts figuring out how to be a little bit more efficient and, and get yourself deeper. But, uh, you know, we, we got our rotations a little bit different than coming out of camp. Um, I think Mejia uh, yesterday, we, we see, you know, life on his pitches and, uh, you know, functionality of all his pitches when, it, when he's keeping them in the zone. He just gets 
still as a young guy can do, excited and, and, and misfires every now and then. But um, we'll see how it plays out. You know, Gibby getting an opportunity here uh, with Phil's injury to step on in and hopefully help our rotation. Um, had that one hiccup inning in Baltimore, but but kind of buckled down to get us through five, and, and, and we're hoping that today he finds a way to put some zeros up early and we can find a way to score some runs. Well, we'll get back to Kyle in a little bit, but I want to talk about Taylor Rogers before we leave the bullpen sure. because he's a guy that uh, if, if you're a casual observer, you say, oh, who's the skinny left-hander with a good breaking ball? But he's more than just a situational guy. We saw that, what he was able to do to some fine right-handed hitters in Baltimore. And he's a guy who seems to never get his heart beaten too fast. I mean, he yeah. he he's kind of one of those... I would call him the quietly competitive guys. He doesn't outwardly show a lot of emotion, but a fiercely competitive kid. You said uh, a lot of really good things about him last year in terms of him earning your trust right away, right. and he has certainly done nothing to uh, to lose that trust. He's been a big part yeah. of what's going on down there. Well, I I call him icy. You know, icy. I mean, he just he he doesn't like you said he he doesn't get overly rattled. Uh, you know, there are days where the results aren't going to be what you would hope, but for the most part. Um, you know, he's going to throw it over. He's not afraid to challenge who's ever in the, in the batter's box in any given time. And, uh, you know, last year his a little more trouble with right-handers, but I think he's figuring out a way to combat that a little bit. So, uh, you know, late in the game, we've been kind of flipping some of the matchups with reverse splits that we see, and, and he's stepped up each and every time. So he's been a great weapon for us. Last year, his first time through, I thought he had a really nice first go-around, and, and he's shown that he can even be better than that this year. Paul, are we seeing a slow development of the backside of the bullpen with Duffy, Rogers, and Kinsler? Uh, yeah, you know, it's always evolving, Jack. Um, you know, we've, we've still kind of mixing it up. I, I think Duffy's been invaluable in, in how he has kind of settled into that role in those games where we're either, you know, around even or potentially maybe ahead or behind by a run, that he's going to get through a couple of big innings in the game that, that really sets up the back end of your bullpen. So I think he's confident in that role. He's throwing a lot of strikes. He's pounding his fastball. His curveball has been really sharp this year. And uh, it's just trying to, you know, continue to find ways <clears throat> to use him most effectively. He's kind of my swing guy as far as when I need big outs, and he seems to match up against righties and lefties as good, anybody, good as anybody that's out in the pen. Jack Morris, Paul Molitor in studio. It is the Paul Molitor Show. We'll take a break, come back with more in a moment. This is your home for Twins Baseball. This is the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Killebrew Root Beer brings us the Palm Oliver Show each and every Sunday. Have a couple today to enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created. Legends are made. Jack Morris, Paul Molitor in studio. Twins and Rays, final game of the three-game series here at Target Field coming up later this afternoon. And let's get back to Cal Gibson, Paul. Uh, he came back up to make that spot start in Baltimore, still in the rotation with the injury situation. And he was laboring early. Uh, the offense got him back in the game. You sent him back out there for the fifth yeah. inning, and he struck out the side. Is that something that, that Kyle can build on moving forward now? Well, I think there was positives and negatives from his, from his start in Baltimore. Uh, we still didn't see his ability to get ahead of hitters, uh, I thought, particularly well. I think that's a big part uh, of the equation that he has to solve to uh, start being a little bit more efficient. Um, uh, but, you know, in his defense, there there was a couple plays we could have potentially made in the five-run second inning. And uh, But, you know, your job as a pitcher is to pick your guys up when those things happen and try to get off the field, and he ended up giving up the big three-run homer. But, you know, we stayed with him. We gave him an opportunity after we got back in the game, and he went out there, and he had a really strong last inning. He struck out the side, if I can recall. And, you know, you hope that's the last thing that he takes away is that, you know, go ahead and pound it and see what you can do and uh, let your defense play behind you. Paul, uh, 
You just mentioned getting ahead in the count. I, I want to recall, and I know you know who I'm talking about, Tigers had a first base coach for years, Dick Trzewski, sure. and uh, he became a good friend of mine. And uh, shortly in my career, I remember him coming up to me, and he teased me a lot. We had a lot of fun together. But he looked me right in the eye one time and very seriously said, you know what the best pitch in baseball is? And I looked at him. I didn't know where he was going with the question. He says, it's strike one. And I'll never forget it because he was the guy that the light went on for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious. You've got a lot of guys that maybe don't quite understand what he was trying to tell sure. me back then. And, and you know, I know Neil Allen has done it. Eddie Gordado yeah. has done it. Almost everybody in their sure. background has done it. But uh, how does that get through to some young pitchers? Well, I, I think it's one of the, you know, most simplest foundations of successful pitching. Um you know, you can look at everything from batting average of balls in play um, throughout potential count scenarios and how they are shifted so heavily towards pitching ahead yeah. uh, as far as a pitcher's favor. Um, I know as a hitter, you know, once you get behind, you know, you expand a little bit, you get a little bit more defensive because there's more pitches to protect against. Uh, when you're ahead, you know, you know, whatever it might be, one oh, two one, three one, you know, you have the you have the luxury that the count provides you to be more specific on what you're looking for. So you reverse that trend mm-hmm. when you pitch ahead. So, you know, Mejia had trouble yesterday with strike one. And I think he, you know, some of the consequences were obvious, although he hung in there pretty good. He, when, when you pitch ahead, it, it just dramatically changes what a hitter can do. Yeah, Jack said something to me earlier that, that stuck, and he said, I would have loved to pitch for this team. He said they catch everything. They, <laughs> they never give up on a play defensively, and they never give a bat away on the other side. Is that something that you see spilling over into your pitching core where, where guys are eager to pitch knowing? I mean, it's, it's all about the team coming together as a full yeah. unit, but do you sense that? I, I think that we, as a staff, our pitching staff, definitely trust what our, we're doing on the defensive side. And I think that's a little bit of a comfort for a pitcher, uh, you know, not just hoping that the guys make plays. You trust what you do and go ahead. If they put it in play, we're going to find a way to make plays. And I think that for a mindset for a pitching staff, that helps tremendously. Now, we need to take one more time out here. Let's take a break. It's the Paul Molitor Show. More with Jack and Paul when we return on your home for Twins Baseball. This is Chris Atterbury, and you're listening to the Paul Molitor Show on Go 96.3. It's the Paul Molitor Show. Paul Molitor in studio. Jack Morris is here. Twins and Rays final game of the three-game series today. Alex Cobb for Tampa Bay. And it will be Kyle Gibson uh, to answer. Paul, the, the first year, prior to your first year managing, we were out on Caravan, and everybody asked you, you know, what time a team would a Paul Molitor team be? How would you describe it? You've had a handful of teams now, and it depends on your personnel. This 2017 team, if you asked to describe them, is there one word, two words, or a phrase that you could use to describe this bunch so far? I, you know, it's a good question. I, I, I think that, you know, for a, a manager to try, try to describe what type, type of team that he would have, I, I, I wouldn't be overly clear on that because I think it changes with your personnel each and every year. But the one thing I think we, we, we're showing a little bit of mental toughness, and I think we grind. We, I think we really grind well each and every day. I, I think that fundamentally you want to say that you have a fundamentally sound team. We couldn't say that last year. Uh, but this year, for the most part, we're, we're doing the little things that we need to do that maybe don't show up in box scores each and every day. But I, I would say our ability to grind through games – uh, has been one of our strong characteristics. One of the things that I've been impressed with lately is the ability to come from behind to win ball games. Uh, you know, we've seen that many times here in the last couple of weeks, and 
last night's game, in my opinion, best at-bat I've ever seen Brian Dozier take his last at-bat where he uh, showed his body willing to go to right field, yeah. and then he crushed it, right. and he gets a game-winning uh, home run. Uh, talk a little bit about the attitude of coming from behind. Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, some of those games uh, we've been talking about here the last few weeks, it, they haven't been uh, the huge deficits for the most part the Baltimore Brewer game, maybe being the exception. But, you know, we get we give up one or two early, and, you know, we kind of find a way to get back in the game somewhere along the way. Um, it, it's just a nice feeling, I think, that builds confidence in your team that, you know, you're trusted either your starter or whoever you go to is going to put up some zeros and give you a chance if you can find a way to get to put together an inning. You know, it's kind of like the day I talked to the team in the dugout during the game. It was just that you have to see the big picture of the game and and find some kind of thread that's good, that gives you hope that you know is going to give you a chance. Whether they're opposing pitchers' pitch count or the fact that we've been having base runners every inning, we just haven't cast him in. I think these guys understand that you stay with it, and you never know when you're going to string four, five, six good at bats together, and you're going to put a number up on the board. And it's been a different guy, too. I mean, it's a, it, everybody's contributed at some point uh, throughout the course of yeah. the roster. And so it's easy to overlook guys or to make too much of guys. But somebody that that I just always enjoy watching is Max Kepler. And as a second-year guy, got the, a real big taste last year. So often you see the league makes an adjustment, and now the challenge is incumbent on the player to yeah. adjust back. And Max has had his struggles at times, as every player does. But yet consistently, day in and in day out, I just – I see how productive he can be and so many things he can do. And I also see that we're probably still just scratching the surface for this guy. Well, I, I think he's still learning that final component that he, how much talent he does have to play this game at a high level. Um, you know, his, his tendency to be a little bit tentative at times uh, with his defense or his at-bats, you know, I, I think he's had to overcome somewhat, you know, the fear of failure in the game, whether it's in his base running or trying to make a play or go ahead and just letting it fly in the batter's box. Um, but I think we've seen a little bit more aggressive Max here as of late, and it's been translating into success. He's really swinging the bat well. You know, he's getting some chance against some lefties lately. He's been hanging in there against those guys too. So, he, you know, you can go down the roster and talk about each guy and what they do and how they're progressing in terms of their performance. But Max has been uh, really getting after it here the last couple of weeks in particular. On the other end, a guy that's uh, gone through a little bit of a, a turn as of late, Miguel Sano, uh, anything you see that uh, maybe you can address to him? No, I, I kind of, you know, somewhat uh, jokingly said that, you know, we, he, he's kind of spoiled us here the first 40-plus games in that he's <clears throat> taken so many good at-bats. Even with the strikeouts, you know, he, he seems to fight his way through them. And, and when he puts ball in play, there's been a lot of damage. So <clears throat> he's just getting a little quick, I think, with his front side, a little bit pull-happy. Um, you know, he goes out there and he works on his swing and staying on the ball and hitting it to center field and right center field. But you get in the game and things get fast. So, um, you know, he's going to strike out. We all know that. It's just that like, you'd like to see him start putting it in play. I don't, I don't know. He's got seven, eight strikeouts in a row or something like that. So um, it's it's part of being a big man with a big bat. Yeah, and he's he's one ringing base hit away from winning the game for you, too, and going on another tear. The other big man in your lineup, Mr. Vargas, I don't think he's going to get a job as a sliding coach after he sent uh, Miggy to the turf, and I think Chesapeake Bay is still roiling from that a couple of days ago. Uh, but he has been all over the baseball. He's been taking balls the other way, saw him beat the shift a couple of times. Yeah, I think he thinks he's a speed guy now, too. Well, he ran the bases pretty well for a big man in Baltimore. <laughs> he made, you know, he made a read on a bobble and he understood a couple chances where it made sense to try to stretch those singles into a double 
uh, or Buxton, it might have been a double to a triple. But, uh, you know, I, I think what I, I, I like about what Kenny's doing is, is a little bit more mindfulness of his approach. Uh, I think his tendencies in the past is just to go up there and kind of flail away at times and not really have a plan according to how he's swinging and what the guys are trying to do to get him out. And because of that, he's been getting some better counts, and he's been putting some better swings on the ball. We're still working on that right-handed swing a little bit. I did pinch hit for him yesterday. Um, I would love to have him be a guy that you feel as much confidence both ways, but we're, we're trying to get that right-handed swing going a little bit better. We've got to take our last break here, Jack. We'll come back with Jack and Paul in a moment. It's our final break. It's the Paul Molitor Show on a gorgeous Sunday at Target Field. This is your home for Twin Baseball. Hey, we're Ben, Dane, and Giselle. You're listening to the Alternative Channel at 96.3. Your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to the final segment of the Paul Molitor Show. Paul, I have to ask you about today's starting pitcher. You're going to face Alex Cobb. He's a veteran, has gone through some arm injuries back on the mound today. Yeah, he's uh, you know he's a good pitcher, Jack. Yeah. He's not an overpowering type pitcher. But uh, you talk about stuff and movement. Um, he knows how to set up hitters. He knows how to finish. He's, and these guys that have multiple finishing pitches, you'll see a real good overhand curveball, a nice little split change, and he'll elevate. You know, I think one thing we've noticed with our teams is that is we have a lot of guys vulnerable to the high fastball, and uh, I think teams are trying to take advantage of that. But um, Cobb has had some injuries along the way, but – He's one of those Tampa guys. They look for the guy that can elevate and a guy that's got a good curveball and hopefully a changeup to match, and and uh, that's that's what we're going to see today in Mr. Cobb. Yeah, they got some gas coming out of that bullpen. Yeah, they got some good last night throwing 99. I want to ask you about their offense. For years, the Rays' offense was a, I mean, death by paper cuts. Their ball's in the gap. They're stealing. They're double stealing. They're they're, they're running. Yep. Now this is a three-true outcome offense. They are, they're hitting bombs. They're walking, and they're striking out a ton. It's It's been a transformation. Yeah, it has been. I, I think you're accurate. In the past, they were kind of a more of a, you know, put pressure on base runners, you know, you know, squeeze, bunt, bunt guys in, move them over, steal bases. But, you know, again, they're, they have a, a lineup now that, that features guys that can hit it over the fence from top to bottom. They're, they're not afraid to strike out. They take big swings. A lot of uppercut guys, which means they're a little bit more dangerous down in the zone. So that will be a challenge for Gibby today to try to maneuver around that somewhat. But, um, yeah, they, they're off to a good start. They, they compete in that east against some beast, beastly clubs each and every year. They keep finding a way to, to hang around. Your veteran first baseman uh, has really played well on base percentage, getting on uh, hitting streak uh, for a while there. Joe Maurer uh, in Baltimore, again, lays down a beautiful bunt in yeah. the situation, surprise, and then uh, goes out there and rattles the ball around a little bit. Awesome defense this year. Talk a little bit about it, what is different. Sure. I mean, Joe has just been so good at well, first base. Yeah, you know, I, I think he's always been good over there. There's been a little bit of a, a growth, I think, just the longer he's played the position now. Uh, you know, just the soft hands probably developed as a catcher. He he really softens that ball in the dirt. Yesterday was not an easy pick by any means late in the game. And it saved us a base runner in a, in a, in a close game, so that was huge. And, and I think offensively, um, you know, he's the same Joe. He, he takes good at bats, and, you know, he makes guys work. Um, he gets his hit. He's not overly productive in terms of RBIs and run scores, but he keeps the line moving. He slows the game down. You know, he's going to see a lot of pitches each and every day. And uh, as of lately, um, you know, just the fact that he's getting a little bit better love from the baseball when he puts it in play, we're seeing those numbers start to rise. Yeah, and, and again, all of the, the numbers would say he's making as good a contact. I want to say – 
more hard contact than any hitter in the game right now, more consistent hard contact, and, and it's turning into hits. Uh, today, uh, you've got choices. You always have choices because you've got some guys to work in, whether it's a Grossman-Vargas combo yep. at DH, whether it's getting Escobar some time. Saw a lot of guys get some action yesterday uh, in the win, Adrianza, Escobar. What are you thinking today for a lineup in Game 3? Well, you know, i I be honest with you. I, I was talking to a few people. Not everybody shows up as early on Sunday mornings just to get get updates on, on how's everybody doing with the amount of games we've been playing. Um, I, right now I'm thinking about sitting down Miggy one more day, kind of recharging him a little bit and get him ready for Houston and uh, uh, getting Escobar in there. And now i got to find out how Joe's doing today. That'll be my other question, whether Vargas and Grossman are in there or whether it's Vargas and Joe. All right, good stuff, good options to have. That's certainly the yeah, case, and no we've doubt. got a, a beautiful day to play the finale of this one. We'll let you uh, get on down the hallway and get to work sounds good. as the uh, Twins and the Astros one more time. All right, you guys have a good one, then. Right, win another series. Yeah, sounds good, Jack. Yeah, that's always a good, uh, good goal. Twins with a chance to win a series today, and Jack, we got about one minute to wrap it up as we let Paul get to work. What are you looking for today from Kyle Gibson? I know that's where your eyes are uh, on the starting pitcher. Paul makes uh, the point about this is a team that likes the ball low. Gibby's a guy who in the past has lived on ground balls, this year been a little home run prone. Well, the one thing about Kyle is I think so many times over the last several years he's been a guy that tries to make the perfect pitch but seems to miss and never gets the call. And I would love to see him try to move the ball in a little bit more over a third of the plate, whether it's in or out, and get ahead. We we talked about it, Paul told us about the importance of getting ahead, and we need Kyle Gibson to get strike one because everybody gets better with strike one. Yeah, it'll be something to watch. That's uh, been the key for Mejia. We'll see if it's the key for Gibson here today. For Paul and Jack, another edition of the Paul Molitor Show. Glad to have you with us. Inside Twins coming up just after noon. 1230 lineup card, then baseball right here on your home, Twins Baseball. You have been listening to the Paul Molitor Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.